Welcome back to 50% Cancer. Last week, we talked about being a child diagnosed with thyroid cancer and heard from Amber, a follicular thyroid cancer fighter who talked about the relationship between her and her parents surrounding her diagnosis at 20 years old. This week, it's finally my turn after the last few episodes to talk about when I was told by my parents that I had cancer and how they were there for me when I was diagnosed at 12 years old and the subsequent years of appointments and recurrences they were around for. I feel like I'm starting to sound like a broken record, but just in case you don't know, both of my parents are no longer with us. My dad died in 2020 and my mom last year towards the end of 2021. However, they were both such a huge part of my cancer story and they continue to be wherever they are. The day this episode is released, February 23rd, is my mom's first birthday without us. So I wanted to dedicate today's episode to her and my dad. I was diagnosed at the end of sixth grade. The symptom that made us go to the doctor was simply I just woke up one morning and my neck felt hard. And I don't think it felt like a lump that I could feel and kind of make out, but just kind of like the whole front of my neck felt hard and stiff. After about one and a half to two weeks of getting blood drawn for the first time that I could remember, ouch, and scans, we finally got my diagnosis. My parents opted to tell me at home rather than a doctor or at the clinic. I'm pretty sure they sat both me and my brother down in the living room on the couch and they sat in front of us. I don't remember much from this moment. I remember worrying right away once they said it that I would die. At that point, I didn't have any experience with cancer before that moment besides what I saw on TV. Bald heads, chemo, and usually death. (laughs) Most of which are exponentially unlikely for papillary thyroid cancer cases. But I was 12 and being told I had cancer. After that, my surgery was probably within two weeks of being told. We went over to the big Mayo Clinic in Rochester and had mapping of my lymph nodes to remove, met with my surgeon, and I got as ready as I could to have surgery. During this time, my parents were there for me all the time. My mom was a stay-at-home mom, and my dad worked in his family's business, so luckily they could take all the time off that they needed, which I'm really lucky for. I went from having nearly zero hospital bills and, like, never being sick to having thousands and tens of thousands of dollars in bills, so I'm really fortunate that my family had enough money to support my needs and treatment as far as I know. (laughs) I would later find out when I was in my 20s that cancer is expensive. Who thought, right? And it sucks when it's all on you to figure out how to pay thousands and thousands. Uh, Trust me, I've gone to collections for my cancer bill. Whoops. But we paid it off. We paid it off (laughs) last year. But anyway, on the morning of my surgery, I'm pretty sure that my whole family got up early with me, uh, which kind of sucks if my brother was there. So sorry, Michael. <laughs> I remember my mom got all suited up in like PPE. So like the gown and like the little uh, things that go over your shoes and like just super PPE'd out. And she walked with me down to the operating room. I remember her being next to me and holding my hand as I got the sleepy medicine to knock me out. I remember talking to her or trying to as I passed out. The night in the hospital, mom slept definitely uncomfortably in the room with me. There was not a bed, I don't think, but I th- I can picture like a bench under a window uh, that she suffered through for the night. At home, once I was all clear to go, mom made me up a bed on the couch, which she regularly did when me or Michael were sick, and yelled at me to rest. <laughs> I can be a tough patient, and it's hard for me to not to try to still be go, 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 even when sick or hurt. Ain't no rest for the wicked, I guess? (laughs) Something like that. After recovering from surgery, mom would drive me to blood work and scans, and usually it was like early morning because I used to have to do fasting blood work all the time, which luckily I don't anymore. 
big perk. But so usually my blood work would be at like 6.30, like 7, like maybe 7.30 at the latest. And usually dad would join us for like office visits with my doctor, but not just for blood work. So a lot of it was just mom and me. She dealt with my crying literally like the whole way up. I was a wreck, uh, which was about 45 minutes from where we lived. And it was just like in anticipation of the needle for blood work. I just like couldn't do it. Uh, I still kind of can't, but I'm at least more willing. <laughs> and she was definitely equal parts like sympathetic and annoyed. <laughs> Through my second surgery in 2013, I didn't get anyone to spend the night with me. I was a big girl. So I was, this was my, right before my junior year of high school. So I was like, 15, I think, maybe 16, but I think 15. So I didn't get anybody to spend the night with me, which is a good thing because honestly, the nurses kept waking me up every few hours to take my blood pressure. Like even in the middle of the night, I was like, I'm not dead. I'm still here. Uh, so I'm glad that mom or dad wasn't there to get woken up like me. And I don't really remember a lot about this time, except this is the surgery where I mentioned before that I did not want to have it. For some reason, I just had like the worst feeling, like the worst pit in my stomach about it. I think realistically looking back on it now, it was probably just that my first surgery, like you're kind of afraid of the unknown because you don't know what it's like. But I think because of that, you can't fully be completely worried. Whereas with my second one, like I knew what everything was like. I knew what it felt like now to be like put under and I hate that feeling. I think I knew what to expect, so that almost made it worse. Whereas, like, a lot of times in my life, like, that makes me feel better. You know, oh, I did this before, and I usually get a lot of anxiety about unknown situations. But for some reason, it did the opposite. And I think it was also worse because I had, from all the way from spring until right at the end of summer, to think about it, because we'd, like, scheduled it out that far. Whereas my first one, it was, it literally was two weeks where blood work, diagnosed, mapping it all out and having surgery. So I didn't really have like as much time to be worried was I had like the whole freaking summer. And especially when you don't have school to focus on. And I think I was in, oh, I probably wouldn't have been in tennis. Or no, I would have been in tennis. So I would have been in sports, but still I was, I was just really anxious about that. So I don't really remember a ton about like my parents, but I did, I got really upset at my mom the night before my surgery. So we got a hotel room up in Rochester so that we could just go over in the morning and I remember just screaming and crying at her, telling her, I'm going to die. I know it. Um, here's how I want my funeral. Here's the food I want at my funeral. I think I said, like, I wanted, like, a white casket. <laughs> and I wanted treats. And I think I wanted, like, cheesy potatoes and probably, like, scotcheroos. <laughs> I don't know. I feel a lot of guilt. So if mom, if you can hear this wherever you are, I definitely feel a lot of guilt towards all that that I put on her. I was, I was like 15. I didn't know how to deal with all those big emotions and I just didn't, I just didn't know what to do. And so I kind of took it out on her. So mom, I'm sorry. <laughs> and I'm also sorry because I went through your diaries. Cause so I basically have like all my mom's stuff, <laughs> a lot of it. Um, and my dad's too, but I found one of her journals. I was right around when I got my second recurrence or diagnosis, I guess you could say. Because technically, I had um, I had the small dose of radioactive iodine after my first surgery, my thyroidectomy. So then I had that, and then it was like, okay, fine. But then a few months later, I had a bigger dose. I don't know. Like, it's so hard to know, like, what counts as a recurrence and what was probably just thyroid cancer that just was there and the surgeons missed. So either way, I digress. Um, I found <laughs> one of mom's journals from around right before I got my second surgery. So I want to just read this part. So she wrote, Chloe's cancer seems to be back. We have to meet with the surgeon, and that usually means he wants to cut. I really don't want her to have another surgery. It's a little hard to let her choose and listen to what we may want for her. 
which is funny because I didn't really get to choose at all because <laughs> I've talked about that's the whole summer that I I like wanted to take my parents to court because I wouldn't have died if I didn't have the surgery and obviously I, I should have done it anyway but yeah I was so against them on it uh, <laughs> so I definitely gave them a hard time that summer and then the rest of my cancer stuff mostly from them was just a lot of support which was really nice because I definitely I went through a good phase where we had like a few scares, but I was pretty much cancer free all the way from 2013 until 2019. So at least five years. Sorry for the sniffles. I'll probably cut them out, but <laughs> it's an emotional episode. But yeah, and so a lot of that time in between was once I got to college was more about embracing this thyroid cancer identity and realizing that it's a part of me that's not going away, <laughs> even though I used to want it to. And, you know, they got to watch me really find my voice in, you know, making my senior project for my design major all about thyroid cancer. And that's literally how Thigh Cancer Survivors was born, which then led to this podcast, which is insane. And But I wouldn't be here without the support of them because, like, my dad, he would, he'd subscribe to the website and he didn't have social media of his own, but he would check in online and he would be so proud of me. And whenever I saw them, I'd show them. This was around the time, one of the times I can think of, where I had post, I had, like, reshared somebody's post to our story on the Thycan story and it was somebody talking about their scar and I said show your scar or erase your scar and I did not mean for this to happen but then everybody was sending me in pictures of their scar saying oh I'm so glad that I'm seeing other people's scars or oh I thought my scar was bad but it's really just part of me and just and it was so cool because it was the first really global impact that I felt about Thycan and I got to experience that with them. And I would show my dad, oh, here's my friend from Greece. And here's somebody from Colombia. And here's somebody from Egypt. And here's somebody from Canada and France and United States and all different states. And that was just so cool. And that was one of our big kind of moments um, that I did not plan at all. I wish I could take credit for it, but it just kind of happened. Um, and I let it keep happening because it was really cool. I remember showing that and he'd get teary-eyed. And they were just so proud of it. And I'm glad they got to come to one of my cancer walks. Uh, I got involved with with a childhood cancer organization back home in my hometown because surprisingly there's been a lot of people in my hometown that have gotten cancer and not necessarily thyroid cancer although there is one girl who was also diagnosed with thyroid cancer just a few years after me so different types of cancer and not everybody as lucky as me for sure which is hard to see but so I got involved with them and I still kind of am I might kind of let go just because they're an hour away and that's kind of hard, but it's been really great. And so they have to come to one of my cancer walks and I, I made the logo for this. I would say any negatives that I can think of was I think maybe dad liked to talk about my cancer a little bit too much sometimes before when he got really uh, proud of me. Well, I think he was always proud of me, obviously, but before I started doing work with ICANN, I feel like he definitely would like to tell people like, oh, this is Chloe. She's a thyroid cancer survivor. And it, uh, during a time when I was like, I don't even want to be like looked at <laughs> by other people. So that was a bit much, but I'll forgive you, dad. But yeah, I think that's mostly all I have to share. And then obviously now I'm kind of, I don't want to say I'm on my own because I know I'm not because I have such great friends and family, but things definitely get different when you're on your own and then you have bills and then you're like well how do I pay for this bill I'm just out of college and I definitely want to talk about maybe that's what I'll talk about next time I was gonna say usually I say no thanks for listening today we talked about this next week we'll talk about this but how will we say next week I will talk about resources for new thyroid cancer survivors and especially those who are young and maybe without family support or have very limited family support because I know I felt kind of like like an oh shit moment of what's going to happen? What do I do with these bills? Because I need to do it. 
like, what do I do? <laughs> and I don't want you guys to all be like me and get sent to collections and then be terrified. And uh, like, if you ever saw the movie Confessions of a Teenage Shopaholic, whatever that one is, where she's got like all the, the debtors like coming to her door and trying to get her money. Oh, that scarred me for life, man. So today we talked about my experience with parental relationships and support during thyroid cancer diagnosis, most specifically, but also throughout my life, since this is now my 13th year of being a survivor, not officially yet, but starting in April, it will be, which is a long heckin' time. <laughs> uh, and I hope you found that interesting. I, I definitely always think it's interesting hearing everybody's experiences because they are all very different, even if they're all positive or all negative or all a bit of both. They're really interesting to listen to. And thanks for kind of letting me remember my parents in this way, and especially my mom whose birthday is today. So next week, we will talk about some resources for thyroid cancer survivors, especially new ones who are young or just don't have a lot of support because it can be really hard to do on your own. So I think maybe we'll talk financial, but also emotional help and some maybe little tips or resources to help you out. Thanks for being here and I'll see you next time. Bye!